step right up and come on in. Here's where the fun begins. Welcome to another episode of Super Funkin' Serious with Sparkle Sid. That's me. Today's episode celebrates the 30th anniversary of the Disney Afternoon, a chunk of high-quality cartoons produced by Disney for syndication on local channels from 1990 to 1997. Shows like DuckTales, The Adventures of the Gummy Bears, and Tailspin gained a cold light following that has led to spin-offs, films, and even revivals. My own personal memories include the Disney Afternoon soundtrack and playing dress-up to songs like Friends for Life, Monkey in Your Tank, and many amazing theme songs like the title track of the lineup, something I still do to this day. Closet concerts on YouTube. My guest this week is Daniel Boehner, a Disney fan and Jedi princess living in Chicago, Illinois. We talk in depth about our favorite songs from the soundtrack and dive into the Disney Afternoon live show that played at various Disney parks like Walt Disney World and Disneyland. Darlings and gal pals, Sparkle Sid has been busy, just a little busy, bringing you another episode of Super Funkin' Serious. Enjoy! <laughs> now, uh, Daniel, you are a Disney fan. I see on your Instagram that you go to you, that you go to Disney World, Disneyland, all the theme parks. Can you talk about your love of Disney and um, how you fell in love with it? Yeah, so Disney. I'm one of those Disney people. <laughs> we are a special breed of human, a Disney gay as well. Um, yeah, I, I just fell in love with a lot as a kid. I was raised on Disney. My parents were very kind of sheltered or protected over the content that we watched. Um, it always had to have social redeeming value, is what they would say. So Disney fit the bill. Um, so it was kind of safe for them, I guess, to uh, show to us or the types of values they wanted to instill. I think my love of Disney really comes from Disney World, mostly. Um, so we started going when I was a kid. Like I've been there. I was there in utero, I think. Um, and Disney started this program when I was in, or probably the mid nineties uh, called the Disney Vacation Club, um, which was like a timeshare program at Dis on Disney property. Disney World's massive in Florida, lots of hotels. Um, it's kind of like, instead of sharing weeks, you get points and stuff. And so basically my parents bought into this uh, timeshare program, really affordable at the time. It was brand new. And one of the perks to get you to sign up was that the passes to the parks for your family were included in your kind of whatever annual fee um and it was a condo right so we had a kitchen so we would my parents were teachers we they had summers off we'd go down for two weeks we'd drive fly sometimes um and we would spend two weeks down there um immersed in kind of the disney world escape um and i think for me i grew up as a closeted gay kid in cincinnati ohio and um very conservative area and so disney kind of became that escape um for me where fairy tales were real and hope the rains and all that fun stuff. Um, so yeah, it was a safe environment for me that I went to every summer. Um, I would like count down the days. And so, yeah, when you, if you, Disney world is a very immersive kind of um, synergistic environment. And so everything is there. Um, and so you kind of drink the Kool-Aid um, and you get hooked for life. And so even now I, I've, I've been over like 70 times to Disney world that I'm 33 years old, probably. Um, the probably for the 70, not how old I am. Um, but yeah, I still love to go as an adult for different reasons. I just like to be down there, kind of similar to what we'll talk about of kind of looking at this with an adult lens, kind of understanding as an adult that these are people and humans with jobs and 
on social media apps and things like that. So it's fun. To, it's a different experience as an adult. You can drink at Epcot around the world. So yeah, just I that is where it comes from. I yeah, the last time I went to Disney World, I got to drink around the world for the first time because I was the first time that I was actually an adult, and that was so much fun. But I had to cut it short because we had to get on a flight, so we were kind of little. A little wobbly on the flight, but it was fun. You know, it, it's it's a great it's a great thing you have like the world showcase, as you mentioned. There's lots of things to do at Epcot, um, and it just feels like you're everywhere in one place, and that's kind of an interesting thing that Disney tries to do to kind of get you into to hook you as a, as a child and as an adult. We become huge fans, and we share that with generations to come. So I think that's a really amazing thing. Uh, now I had you, uh, experience some of the Disney afternoon. Can you talk a little bit about the Disney afternoon, your memories growing up about that, of what you remember and, and your interactions with that? Yeah, I feel like I was very young still. Um, was probably like the prime audience. I remember the theme songs. Um, that's of course the things that stick out the most, um, kind of the vague ideas of what the shows were about, but I couldn't like tell you what happened like in an episode right like i have very fond memories of it i have fond memories of the disney show that was there or the disney world show that they did for it um i feel like i watched that almost as much as the show because my dad had a vhs that he took of it um but yeah i always remember the theme songs and duck Tales in particular i think was the one that became the most iconic but um, darkwing duck all of them um i don't remember the songs from the shows itself but the theme songs very much i could recall gummy bears like at the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. what, what's your favorite uh, Disney Afternoon theme song? <sighs> That's a, I was thinking about that. I was just listening <laughs> to it. I think it's Gummy Bears, actually. That's a good one. That's like going to belt because the, the chorus just had that gummy bear. Like, really, you have to get really high and, like, belt it. That's fun. <laughs> or the rhythm in, um, uh, yeah, or Tailspin. That one's fun. With the... Tailspin is the one that, as an adult, I think I have the most issues with like looking at it as my adult <laughs> self um, it's a fun theme thought theme song but uh we'll get to it but <laughs> there are things that i am like what okay we're doing this um but yeah they're all really mm -hmm. um so i had you listen to the soundtrack so going into the theme songs we um i used to grow up with a little cassette tape i wish i still had it um of the disney afternoon songbook i believe it was called or just soundtrack but I call it the songbook because it reminds me of like, you know, the Peggy Lee songbook or like, you know, like Ella Fitzgerald did it. Anyways, <laughs> um, I remember growing up in my, my very first house that I lived in. Um, we had a, um, uh, my cousins came over and I remember forcing them to perform to some songs. I think one I remember we had fake guitars and we played to... Boogie Woogle, Boogie Woogie Beagle Blues or something. <laughs> and, and it was the stupidest song, but I loved it so much. And yeah, I played that tape. So out. maybe the reason why I got rid of it is because I just wore it out because I listened to it so darn much. And now I listen to it because it's on Spotify all the time. I actually have some closet concerts where I did like the theme song and I'm actually doing, I'm going to actually basically perform the song book. So that's a little fun, little project I'm working on. Anyways, um, I have fond memories of the soundtrack. Did uh, listening to it as an adult? Did you have any? Um, did any fond memories come up for you with uh, with watching the show or listening to the music? Yeah, no, I think again, like the memories immediately make me think of the Disney show, the Disney World show, um, 
and and just all the memories associated with that and rewatch i rewatch the vhs all the time like i didn't i did not have the songbook <laughs> cassette tape which i would have had the cassette tape too but i didn't have that so i again that's maybe why i remember songs the most is because i rewatched the um the disney stage show them <laughs> a lot and so those are what they play except for gummy bears mm-hmm. which i was like why not mm-hmm. um alas injustice for the gummy bears what was your reaction as an adult listening to this music did you were there any songs you're like this is dumb why did i like this did you have those kind of reactions no i think they're all very catchy i think well which one was the one i was listening to um I can't remember, but they were all, oh, especially in comparison to the stage show. Um, I just really appreciate it as an adult, kind of that Disney sound that I've come to kind of identify what that is. It's kind of this like earnestness, cheesy, campy, kind of wholehearted sound and mm-hmm. usually chorus and something. And the theme songs very much kind of fit that and that the parks themselves still kind of do that, except for the stage show, which is very 90s but that's a whole other story and i and the history of why that probably is um the only song that i had like a reaction to of kind of negative was tailspin because i really couldn't understand as an adult why we're taking the characters from the jungle book which takes place in india and then transposing them into this like weird 1930s post-war mid-war which i don't know when that takes place um uh period but then the theme song has like drums that i'm not entirely sure where where, there's where this is coming from so it's kind of disney's that that jungle rhythms that they do even in the parks that animal kingdom that's kind of their go-to go is like those drums and stuff and i'm like what are we doing with this and i'm not sure that (laughs) like what so that was the only one that i kind of more had an eye raise at but um as an adult, I think they're all very catchy. And I mean, DuckTales in particular, they rebooted that. And so that's still around and they kept the theme song. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I just, whoever wrote them did their job very well. Mm-hmm. Actually, as we go into that, um, one of the guests, host, guests that I was trying to get on was actually uh, the bulk of the songwriting team of the entire soundtrack. The, it was a team of the Silvershire, it was essentially a married couple named the Silvershires, Patty Silvershire, and um, I'm blanking on the last one, but it was, a, it was a couple, and they basically defined the sound of Disney in the 90s. They did all, a lot of the Disney afternoon ones, they did the theme song to DuckTales, to Chippendale, Tailspin, um, and they also did some other ones as well for some bigger movies too, so... Um, definitely look them up. Um, they're very old school. I tried to give them a call. I that was the only way to reach out to them. It was fun, but um, they are they're they're still working in LA. They have I think they're in Sherman Oaks or something like that. And it's it's interesting to see that um, to see different songwriting teams be a part of Disney history at different moments of time. Uh, going back even further in time, going to uh, the Sherman Brothers who wrote a lot of Mary Pop Poppins music. Um, stuff for Nathan Cello's solo career. So it's really interesting how the company will uh, embrace uh, these people in a way that is like, you know, you did a good job. Let's keep going with you. And they helped define the 90s sound. Um, 
So I really think that's really fascinating. But yeah, the songwriters are really good. Uh, the the puns in that show and, and the music is so good. And I just I just adore it. And as an adult, I, I get it more. So it's I think it's just why I love it. It has a sparkle sid sensibility that I just appreciate. <laughs> you have to it's tell really me what good. some of those references are that I am still missing or maybe I need to listen to it again. <laughs> Um, a lot of them are in like the uh, some of the original songs rather than the theme songs, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, is there uh, any sh any songs that stand out to you as far as like one you were just like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant! I totally forgot about this song. <laughs> the one that like I that I'll probably go back and listen to and find is "Home Was Where the Heart Is," because um, I didn't remember that song, and I went to go look for it on YouTube, and it said it was cut from the pilot, and you actually can't like find it. Mm -hmm. And I'm always a good hooker for a good ballad, especially Disney ballads. So I'm like, what? A slow song that a woman sings? Sign me up. Um, yeah. So that is definitely one that stuck out. Um, and I also like the Gummy Berry Juice song. That was a fun one, too. Mm, me too. Yeah, that song tells you how to make Gummy Berry Juice. <laughs> got to go back to YouTube, and I, was, I watched a clip, and I forgot how like gruff-sounding the grandmother character was. <laughs> and that was just a fun like oh I forgot about that um, it looks like it reminds me of uh, the criminal mother in the Goonies um, oh okay, yeah, like a random I see that. oh my gosh that's amazing <laughs> so of the, of, the, of the songs do you have any top three that stood out to you uh, as an adult of songs um, as an adult like the home sure because I think that probably speaks most to Kind of my adult sensibilities and like the musical theater queen inside me um the gummy bears theme i think is the one that i that brings back the most like nostalgia feels um and what would be my third probably ducktales just because it's duck i mean it's ducktales like we played it in band they taught us to that in band that was like the culmination of sixth grade band was they taught us how to play ducktales in our final concert like that's how iconic it was. It, that's, it was not that far removed from when it came out and they had a sheet music for it at Dottis and Band. So probably DuckTales mm -hmm. was, yeah. But it's DuckTales. I learned how to play on the piano and I don't even know, I don't even know how to play the piano. <laughs> that's so funny because I used to play, uh, take piano lessons as well. And, um, and I learned like a few songs, but I don't remember any of them except for like the first part of SOS by ABBA. Like there's only like one or two songs that you remember for the rest of your life. I don't know why it's because it's ingrained because of the, the memories you have associated with it or just because just because it was easy to learn. I don't know. Yeah. I know Charlie Brown too. That's an easy one. Mm. Oh yeah, Linus and Lucy. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Yeah, that one's fun. <laughs> or my top three, how about yours? I think one of my three favorites would probably be my top three would probably be, oh, that's tough. Okay, so um, I love Friends for Life. Um, that one's really good. Um, that one's really fun to do as a duet. So I did. I recently did a duet for myself there. Um, for I love acapella music. So Monkey in Your Tank is probably one of my favorites. I just love the guy who's just like Monkey in Your Tank, yeah, and he's just like you know he ends it just like 
making you want more. A lot of these songs, by the way, are like less than three minutes a piece. Like that's even shorter than a Eurovision song. Like imagine it being even shorter than that and wanting even more. And you just like listen to it again and again and again and again. And as a child, it's even more again and again and again. So like, yeah, anyways. Uh, my third song would probably be, um, I'll say Chip and Dale, the theme song, because that one, like I said, screams that big production and dancers and jazz hands and everything like that. <laughs> um, but those are my, those are probably my top. I had a really random thought about Chip and Dale. This was another like adult, I guess, thinking of Chip and Dale as I was listening to the theme song. Oh, like, really, it, they would make a really this. good couple's costume, Chip and Dale Rescue Ranger <laughs> dancers. Um, oh. Because you could get like the top. And then, Have you thought about doing Chippendales as Chippendales dancers? That's what, yeah, that's what I mean. Like they would basically, so you would wear instead of their noses being the thing that changes their color, it would be their underwear, because like Chip has the has black oh. underwear and then Vito, yes. and then they would just have like their shirt underneath it. Yeah. And oh then we God. and then like little like ears oh like hearing like I'm a chipmunk. Duh. Um. Yeah. That's my that was my brilliant idea that I will probably put in my back pocket. Oh my gosh. I just want to take a quick moment to mention that if you are enjoying this podcast, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Search for Sparkle Sid in the iTunes store and tell us what you think. Thanks, darlings. So now we go on to the live show that was in the, uh, at Walt Disney World, I believe Disneyland as well. Can you tell me a little bit more about the general plot line of that show and, and when it first kind of... I... Only saw it at Disney World in Florida. Um, so I guess the larger context is back then, they used to have, both um, Disneyland and Disney World, they used to have a section, like the kiddie section of the park, really. Like Fantasyland is the kid section, but like the even kiddier section was behind it. Where you, they used to do, for a really long period of time, like some kind of Mickey and Friends kind of rotating theming area, kind of like Mickey's Toontown, kind of very similar to Roger Rabbit, which is why I think Roger Rabbit was in the Disney World one. Um, now that I remember the Toontown connection. Um, and it was like in the very back, kind of the big stage show. Um, I'm sure there was a big, a big story in, obviously, while you were waiting. Um, but yeah, the plot line, there was, it was a very loose plot from what I recall. And even from when, I'm, when, when I was rewatching it, I forgot about the Roger Rabbit section. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so it's just like a showcase of kind of the top four shows at the time. Gummy Bears was not included, but it was Darkwing Duck, DuckTales, Tailspin, and Dip uh, and Dale. Um, very 90s. There was a, a robot computer character and the MC dancer character <laughs> um, all by herself. But the rest in all full, everybody else was in kind of the full animal covered costume. Yeah, and everybody would just do like a venue of their theme song. Um, they each had like a little thing to do. Like originally Roger, Mickey was missing and then Roger tried to find him and then Darkwing Duck found him randomly. The Mickey was around and then it switched to Tailspin maybe and they just danced. I don't really think they did anything that stood out. But even I watched it 20 minutes ago and I can't remember what they did. Except I do remember Louis, <laughs> the, the King Louis was terrifying. Um, that was not a good costume. Um, and then DuckTales happened with Scrooge and Launchpad. They get stuck in the vault, and then Chip and Dale have to rescue them with me. And then they dance and sing, and they all sing. They, they do the theme songs when they come out, and that's like the very, yeah. And it's very 90s. 
very 90s. Yeah. Early 90s. Oh, it is definitely very 90s. The first thing I wrote down as an adult was rapping. So, question mark. I don't know if this is the right time, but I sometimes, one of the YouTube down is history of Disney World or Disney Parks or Disney Park YouTubers where they talk about Disney World and the news and stuff and what's happening or the history of it. And so in a lot of the historians of Disney World Parks, like amateur ones, they always talk about the Eisner years of Disney Parks and how he has a very distinct imprint because he tr he did that. That's what he did. Like he tried to make it hip and like bring in rap in 90s and and that kind of aesthetic to make it cool. Um, and even they made reference to Splash Mountain in the show because they were building Splash Mountain at the time. Splash Mountain is back in the news for reason. We're racist. <laughs> it's a racist ride. Um, but even the, the <laughs> commercial for Splash Mountain, like very like 90s hip hop white kids doing rap kind of vibe that Eisner was known for. Um, and even the like the aesthetics and the colors and this, it was all he had. Yeah, it was very specific era of Disney parks. But that is the stage show. Um, and yeah. yeah. I love whenever they have character shows at any of the parks, they usually, if it's all characters, they usually have to have one adult, like human adult. And they brought in, I think her name was CJ. And she was like very, like, she reminded me of the host from like Master Size from Disney Channel. That really <laughs> yes, like, I love that. <laughs> she was very like, she did a lot of, and she also did a lot of the same dance moves. So I don't know if she was improvising it and then like forgot and just like redid the same choreography. But anyways, she, you know, she was a cute, she's cute, you know, she helped to move the show along and stuff like that. Um, but I literally was like, she kept looking for Mickey and I'm like, where the fuck is Mickey? Hurry up, get CJ out of her anxiety. Like, come on. <laughs> I was like, come on, girl. <laughs> There's, I feel like most Disney character shows involve, where's Mickey? Or like, we need to get Mickey. Yeah. Like, that's generally the plot line because he's the, he's the star. And so like the big reveal and the climax of the show is Mickey is here finally, but everybody else. Which I, which I think is really funny because Mickey Mouse is like the like iconic classic. You would expect him to be the one who like has his shit together and isn't lost all the time. Right, and, and I was thinking about this too because Disney has always done kind of the interconnected universe things. Like they've always done that. MCU kind of is the MCU obviously in a different grander scale, but like Tailspin or um, Launchpad is in both Darkwing Duck and uh, DuckTales. Um, and it was always interesting to me that of all the Disney characters that they created like universes for, it was Goofy and Donald. Like they did the like, Goof Troop and the Goof Troop world, and then they did DuckTales and the DuckTales world with the ducks, but there was no like Mickey Mouse and Mouse world. Like they're creepier. I don't know. Um, but I always found that I was, I, that was something looking back at us that I was an adult. Like, interesting. Um, but yeah, I think now if they did that show, character show it would be much more grand and i don't think that the, i think something against the show is that they have the theme songs being sung by the characters in their voice and it's like actually kind of great like i don't want actually chip and dale to sing their theme song because it's not as fun um and so now i think they would have like a, a court because that the castle shows in particular um where they have all the characters when the princesses come out they don't sing their songs they have this like chorus of humans performers that sing um so then it's So I think they would maybe you would get that Rescue Rangers production if you did it now. They did it now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I expect a full on choir Disney. You're oh, they will Disney usually world. deliver that. <laughs> they will usually deliver that. The, I just had a crazy idea. Disney Afternoon, the opera. <laughs> I you heard it here first, folks. Do it. You never know. You never know. 
it, you have their contact information. Do you, did you, right. <laughs> did you ever watch these shows uh, as a child when you went to the parks? Did you see this in person? A hundred percent. Yeah. Like um, we would go every summer. And so when it was, I don't remember the length, it's tenure, it's run, if we want to be technical, I guess. Um, there, definitely remember sitting in the back and I can visualize the stage. And then I watched it a lot. My dad had one of those like huge camcorders um, when we were younger and he would videotape everything. And so I would watch the VH VHSs of our time at the park. And, like he would videotape the rides. And so I'd watch the ride. It, I do that now as an adult on YouTube. Like you can do that now, but I did it before YouTube was a thing on VHS. Um, yeah, so I would, wa I remember fondly watching it and then watching it at home when I wanted to think about Disney. Um, so I definitely remembered the everybody clap clap part, like when the, the audience interaction part, which is very much like the kitty show thing that they do still. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> and Gadget was not there again. I know. I was uh, I, I was looking at the history of the show. So that show, the one that we watched, the clip which I'll put in the show notes, um, is um, the 20th anniversary of Walt Disney World celebration show version of it. So before they did have gummy bears in it, and it was replaced by um, by Roger Rabbit. So of course he's kind of like randomly there. He's not a part of the Disney Afternoon, but canon. But he was popular at the, in the early '90s, so that makes sense why they would put him in the in the parks. And he was in the parks for a little while, and kind of is there in little bits and pieces, but not as to the extent it was in the '90s. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. It kind of threw me off, but I was like, honestly, you know, it makes sense business wise because you know they're cross promoting. A movie that just came out so of course they're gonna like want to like you know bank on the fact that disney afternoon is popular and try to make that movie popular as well so um yeah i thought that was really interesting he's always about synergy right definitely yeah they're always cross-promoting <laughs> does uh watching it now on youtube does it feel different as an adult than when you saw it in, as a child yeah it definitely i mean it feels very dated um I mean, it feels very 90s. It feels, I mean, that's, that has its own nostalgia, I suppose. It just feels very like, ooh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's not the right word, but it's just very like, this is nostalgic, but also it's very early 90s. And I think of all the periods, maybe that, if we're through that's like the one, I'm like, what? You know, it just reminded me of um, the production value. I was trying to remember what the production values reminded me at the time. And I think it was around that time. Oh my gosh, what was it called? Was it called? Uh, it was it was at Disney World in Epcot, I think. Oh, was it Brain Wars? Was that the one with the the animatronic who was inside the the brain? Cranium Command. Oh my gosh, Cranium Command. Reminded me of that. Yeah, Cranium Command was the one like Inside <laughs> yeah. Out before Inside oh Out. Gosh. Yeah, no, I think the stage. I really appreciated the stage mm -hmm. of the show. For sure. I think the production mm -hmm. of that was cool. So I was trying to remember like how I thought about it, but yeah, I was as an adult. I'm, I think as they would do it very differently now. They would do a, it would be in front of the castle now. Like they don't do those types of shows. Well, that's not true. They like the big shows they do inside are like the shows that are like actors equity. Like put them on their playbill bio in New York City. Like I've seen some. I've been to a show on Broadway where in their bio somebody was like originally the role of Avery in the oh, Funny yeah. Nemo musical at Animal Kingdom. Um, like those are like and so with something like this i feel like they would is more akin to a castle show anymore which they do like right in the castle um and they're very good about like i could see something like this on like a special night like at the um they have like the normal princess mickey and friends kind of show during the day 
but when they have special events, they do other types of stage shows. So the Halloween party, they do, they have Hocus Pocus is the show at the Halloween party because they're very much like realized, oh my God, millennials love Hocus Pocus and we must capitalize on it. So every Halloween thing is Disney is Hocus Pocus now. So like I could see them do something like this at like a special like 90s nostalgia night or something in the future, like it is in the afternoon. Um, but hey, they're rebooting DuckTales, and I think Darkwing Duck was just in an episode of it, so who knows? We could get a reboot mm-hmm. in the afternoon. Yeah. And everything comes full circle. You never know. I was just thinking that Disneyland did a, uh, was it a 90s night, right? I believe at Disneyland After Dark, I believe. Um, and they had, yeah, they had, um, what was it from uh, a Goofy movie, the, the pop singer? They oh my god, yeah. In character costume. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. I wonder if they'll do a Disney afternoon version of that and then have all those characters that they have at the show because they probably still have them somewhere. Like, what else, where would they put them if it's like, you know, Disney proprietary uh, costuming? They might exist, but some of the older costumes, they probably wouldn't hold up to what they're used what they should be, what, what their standard is now. Like, if you've seen like old 1950s, Disney costumes, like, that is wild stuff. No, that's mm. cool that they did Disney, Disneyland. I feel like that is something that, Disneyland is a much more mm-hmm. local park. Um, and so I think they do events that tailor to, like, the local community, and especially, like, the millennial crowd that can, or the Instagram influencers and things, versus Disney World, which is much more of a global park that I don't know if people would know the Disney mm-hmm. afternoon as much. Because um, I don't, because, question, was the syndication global? I have no idea. Mm. Um but yeah, maybe if they rebooted it with global Disney's global footprint now, they could maybe do something like that at Disney World. Because they definitely integrate the Disney Channel shows in Disney parks. Like they had Phineas and Ferb. I feel like at Epcot they had something. They had Kim Possible for a while at Epcot. Um, so yeah, they would, do, they would do something. They would never not pass up an opportunity to mm-hmm. synergize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the whole... Uh difference of the two parks because I think the idea of Disney World just makes people want to go there more than Disneyland. I think just because World just makes it sound like it's more global and land makes it sound like it's more local. And yeah, that, you're totally right about that. A lot of locals do visit Disneyland and have passes and live in Burbank or live in, or live in the surrounding areas. Yeah, it's really interesting. Did you uh, have any other takeaways from uh, the Disney World show as an adult? I mean, it made, it made me nostalgia for, nostalgic for Disney just because I've actually missed two trips mm-hmm. because of Rona. Um, uh, or one trip, probably a second. Because yeah. I was supposed to go in May and then I was supposed to, I'm scheduled to go in October, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So it made me very nostalgic for that particular, especially in this wild world. Like as an adult, Disney very much, and they is my Neverland. Like I, that is my escape and they very much market it as that now. Um, but yeah, it's very much this place that I skate to. And so it made me nostalgic for going. And, and even though those shows aren't geared toward me, I think growing up on it, you can still appreciate kind of the atmosphere and the effort and the, and I, the earnestness going into it um, is something that I just really appreciate. Like they know it's campy and it's cheesy, but they don't care and they believe in what... I mean, yes, they're making money off of it, but I do think that under... The reason why they can make so much money off of it is because... The things that they're selling speak to something very than us. And yes, it's Disney afternoon. It's not that deep, but still, like, it's, I don't know. They create these characters that kids connect with, that they learn lessons from. 
And I just appreciate that kind of force in our lives, even if it is trapped in mass marketed. Yeah, that's a beautiful sentiment. That's exactly why Disney has captured the hearts of many gener- generations since Disney was alive. So that is just a wonderful thing. <laughs> On that note, are you ready for some trivia? Oh my gosh, are you? Have you watched the new Milan? How was it? Yes, don't, I watched. I mean, spent the thirty dollars and I spent and I watched it yesterday. Um, it was I mean, I would have fucked. It. it was thirty dollars, but I have access to it and I can watch it whenever I want, as long as I have Disney Plus. Oh, I mean, it's okay. going to be free in three months. I mean, it'll be free for free for everybody in three months, but then it's just like a regular Disney streaming. So if you lose, you don't subscribe to Disney Plus, you can't watch it anymore. Um. It was good. Yeah, it was good. I would need to, they, it's very different from the original. Mm-hmm. So you cannot, if you go into it expecting, like Disney Live actually makes one of those things like, oh my God, it's, they made the exact same movie beat for beat. And then they like don't, so you need to change things. And then when they change things, like, oh my God, you didn't do everything shot for shot. How dare you? This is trash. And so it's like, what are you supposed to, like, what are they supposed to do? They like, I think Mulan is a particular case because our Mulan is like hated in China. Like they hate it and it's their story. So it's like, who are we to like take their story and wrap it in our Western stuff that we like it. And so for the, uh, yes, there's a lot of political baggage with this movie, um, but they very much, you could tell they very much are appealing to these audiences and not us. Like what this movie is not really for us. I don't think, Um, I think it's, I think it's good. I, I don't know kind of kung fu movies i don't watch them very often um i think it's very much in that style and i think i would appreciate it more and understand kind of the choices that were made just stylistically if i knew that style of movie more um but it's fun i think it has good messages and i think the witch character is really cool yeah i think the message i think it's a good movie i don't know if it's my favorite of the remakes um but i think it's good i don't know if it's I think it's worth $30 if you're in a household of more than two people and it would cost you more than $30 who you would normally go to the movies with, like together. If it costs more than $30 to go, then it's definitely worth getting it. Um, or if you have, if you get it and you have friends to share your account with, then I think it's worth it. Um, and there's like, yeah, they don't have the music, but they like the orchestral arrangements kind of um, allude to it or are the song. So. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see it. I'll probably wait though, just because I'm doing lots of stuff. Too busy being too sparkly, I guess. <laughs> but um, on that note, are you ready for some trivia, Daniel? Oh, let's do it. All right. So this is uh, goes back to the sound. This goes back to the soundtrack because, of course, I'm addicted to it. You're addicted to the show. I'm addicted to the soundtrack. We all have our addictions. But anyways, so there were. Um, a few original songs that were featured in episodes. Um, but can, um, I'm going to list some of the songs and um, have you see if you know the show. And if you want to go even further, the title of the episode, which is not, we'll see. Um, so the first one is really easy. Gummy Berry Juice. We talked about this one. What show is that from? That's from Gummy Bears. Um, and then Home is Where the Heart Is. We already talked about that. What show is that from? Tailspin. Yeah. Do you know the... Uh, that is from Tailspin, and that's from the pilot. Yes. Because uh, I looked yeah. it up. From the pilot, but it was cut. I do. Yeah, it was, on, it was not included on the reruns or the, uh, the DVD release, which I really... I'm sad because it's a great song. 
that episode was called Plunder and Lightning, if that ever helps you. See, that's another one of those puns that are just like, clever, clever people. Um, do you know the name of the gummy berry juice episode that it was featured in? No, I'm not going to know episode titles, that's for sure. That's okay. It was in the episode of Gummy in a Gilded Cage. Um, <laughs> um, there was another one on the soundtrack, Rough Top Burly Sailor. Do you know where that's from? What show that's from? I think that's from Gummy Bears as well. Yep. I don't think it was a specific episode one. I think this one was made just for the soundtrack. Some of these were, I think, made just for the soundtrack and never featured on episodes like that one. Um, Monkey in Your Tank. My favorite. That is Tailspin. Yep. Um, and then... Don't know the episode. But yeah, Tailspin is one of the... Sh- is the show, I think, of this lot that I'm just, like, very, like, as an adult, like... You can have it back in the 90s. I don't <laughs> yeah. need to bring that with me. Yeah. I just don't understand uh, choices, I guess. I mean, I do, but yeah. The choices may keep me from an adult enjoying it because King Louis is an ape. He's not a monkey, anyway. That's, yeah, that's what you want to be technically. He's an ape, not a monkey. <laughs> but that's the fun of it, right? <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Okay, so the next song, Friends for Life. What show is that from? I feel like it's probably. Even though I want to say Chip and Dale, but I, it sounds like Chip and Dale didn't really have songs, so I, I'm going to go with Tailspin. Yep, it's Tailspin. Yeah, I, I can see where you get Chip and Dale's because it's like a, it's like a duet with two people. I remember the um, we were just talking about monkeys. And I was like in the Friends for Life. There's a this lyric that's like, you know, do you like my my digs? He's like, oh, you sure look cute. And then it says, fits me better than your monkey suit. <laughs> so I love that. It's fun. Anyways. But he's not a monkey, he's an ape. We just want to... <laughs> yeah. um, and there's one more that says, I'm gone. That's... Oh, that one? That I have no idea. Uh, also from Tailspin as well. That one was featured in Plunder and Lightning as well in uh, the pilot episode. And the rest are theme songs. I could say, you know, what is, what is the... Where does the, you know, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers theme song show from? That just gave it away. Yeah, it's from Chippendale. <laughs> <laughs> right on that note it was great to have you daniel i love your enthusiasm enthusiasm for disney um i would really love to have you on and talk more about movies yeah, anything sure. and otherwise i would love to have you choose the topic next time and we can go whatever you want we can go really deep and go broad we can do anything at all it'll be so much fun thanks for having me <laughs> and yeah look forward to having talking about disney again of course yeah thank you daniel For more information about today's guest or the media we mentioned in today's episode, please see the show notes in your local podcasting app or visit vicuriousmedia.com slash podcast. This is Sparkle Sid signing off for another episode of Super Funkin' Serious. We hope to see you next Thursday for another fantastic episode of Cheeky Chat. Also, don't forget to be your funkin' best and I'll see you next time. Goodbye, beautiful darlings and gal pals. Mwah!